I want to share a message today entitled Half-Baked Christianity. Half-Baked Christianity. Um, And I want you, if you would, just get ready. Turn your Bibles to Hosea, the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. Book of Hosea. And praise the name of the Lord. Hosea chapter 7. In the Old Testament, the book of Hosea, if you don't know where Hosea is, just find the book of Daniel and go right, and you'll find it. Hosea is the first of the minor prophets. The minor prophets are not minor because their message is less important than that of the major prophets. Major prophets being Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel. Um, But nonetheless, their messages were vitally important. They are called minor prophets simply because their books are smaller. Uh, In the end, it was just um, for one reason or another, what it was that they wrote seemed to be less in terms of volume than what God mentioned. And yet, Hosea was a prophet who ministered over a long period of time. In fact, he ministered through about three and four different kings in the northern kingdom of Israel. He had an incredibly unique ministry. Uh, In fact, if you were to start reading in chapter 1, you will find right off the bat that God asked him to do something that was absolutely extraordinary and unheard of. Uh, And the Bible lets us know that God actually asked him to take a wife who was definitely going to be unfaithful to him and would end up prostituting herself to other men. And God was asking him to do that for a specific reason. It was to show Israel how they had, in fact, done that very thing with other nations that they're deserting God and going after other nations and in essence selling out in many cases in order to make these political and cultural and religious deals that they would with other nations, in some cases they would actually sell some of the articles from out of the temple in order for that nation to go ahead and not oppress them. They were at the beck and call of pretty much anybody who decided that they wanted to have their own way and they wanted to do their own thing. Uh, and so that, that is the, the political surrounding of Hosea. Hosea ministered in, in a time where Israel was on its way down. The northern kingdom of Israel was literally on its way out. And In fact, Hosea would see that take place much the same way that Jeremiah in the southern kingdom of Judah many years later would watch the Babylonians cart away uh, those who were a part of the southern kingdom and take them away into Babylon. Hosea would actually watch the Assyrian army come and take captive those who were in the northern kingdom and take them out of their homeland. And they were exiled. And, And... As far as we know, the northern kingdom, those tribes of Israel, never returned to their homeland until many believe their descendants in 1948, when Israel became a nation again, 
began to return to their homeland. It's an amazing thing that over, over a few thousand years of history, a couple thousand years of history, that people would be gone from their homeland and then return later on. And yet God is, it promises to his people that he will in fact do that from time to time. That he will allow those things to take place simply because we allow our lives to come into a situation where they are half-baked in our commitment to the Lord. I want to encourage you brothers and sisters that one of the things that we have to remember in our Christianity is that God desires for each and every one of us to be all in. There is an expression that is used in sports for many athletes, and it is this, we left it all on the field. In other words, we went out there and we gave everything that we could possibly give on the field in order to win the game. We didn't come back feeling like, well, we're strong enough, we could play another game. But we gave everything that we had. And brothers and sisters, what God desires for each and every one of us is to do the same exact thing, to give it all to Him and yield our all to the Lord. Now, I want to encourage you today, if you have time later on, you can see and begin to read in Hosea chapter 7 what it is that is surrounding this particular passage of Scripture that I'm going to read to you uh, in just a moment. But there are so many images that are used to show Israel's failure in their response to God. But one that I believe speaks very loudly to us believers is a challenge to our commitment to the Lord on a number of levels. It might not just be your commitment to the Lord to serve Him day in and day out, but also what can you give to the Lord? What is it that you are going to give to Him? Now today we experienced a wonderful expression of worship. This was powerful, a powerful service. And what God is doing in your lives and in my life and through this time of worship, you are all in with worship. But I got to tell you, and I, I, I'm not, I don't want to take away anything from that, that when it comes to our daily lives out there in the world, are we all in? Or are we holding something back? Are we allowing our lives to just sort of be half of what it should be? What God is inviting each and every one of us to do is He is inviting us to be our very very best for Him. And without His touch, brothers and sisters, we can do absolutely nothing. We need Him. That was the message of Hosea's time. You can't do anything without the Lord. If you're going to go after your own human solutions, you're going to go after your own, your own kind of, of way of living and your own way of, you know, sort of making it up. I, I'm, I'm shocked at how much now within churches that used to be mainstream churches, they are making up, as it were, their own religion. Simply because they say, well, our culture is dictating that. They're, brothers and sisters, culture does not dictate truth. It should never dictate truth. Truth should dictate to the culture how it ought to live and what it ought to be before the presence of the Lord. So I'd like you to go with me now to the book of Hosea chapter 7. 
And there are a number of metaphors that Hosea uses in Hosea chapter 7, but I want to go down to one of them. One of them has to do with an oven, baking. Uh, And we're going to go down to chapter uh, 7 and verse 8, and I want to read that one verse of Scripture to you today. And we're going to see out of this one verse of Scripture what it is that God has to say to us. The Bible says this, Ephraim mixes with the nations. Ephraim is a flat cake not turned over. Ephraim mixes with the nation. Ephraim is a flat cake not turned over. Some say, well, who is Ephraim? Ephraim was one of the tribes of Israel. Ephraim, in this case, some say or at least wonder if they are referring, the prophet Hosea is just referring to Ephraim as the lead tribe for all of Israel, or maybe it was the only tribe that was left in Israel at that time that had not yet come under some kind of political power. Either way, it doesn't really matter. What we find here is an incredible picture of what was going on in their spiritual their religious, their political, and their cultural lives. The Bible says here, Ephraim mixes with the nations. Ephraim is a flat cake, not turned up. All this talk of flat cakes, I'm hungry. And not only that, you smell something? Smell something, I'm really hungry. And in fact, Sherry, did you, did you just make me something? She knew I was going to be hungry. Right in the... I even got a fork. Look at this. And, and look at this. That's a ginormous fork. And I, I got to use this? Well, look at that. You know, it smells like pancakes to me. And I love pancakes. Ooh. <coughs> uh, Sherry... What's in this? Is this pinto beans? Pinto bean can pancakes. But wait a minute. Look at this. This, shall I just bring it down here since I'm cordless and I'm ready to go? Look at this. This smells the high heavens, by the way. Look at that. It is a pancake. But unfortunately, Sherry, I, I don't know, can we cook this more? Probably not. It hasn't been turned over. Now, how many of you enjoy pancakes? I do. In fact, we have a ritual in our house every Saturday morning, except for yesterday. My daughters were not happy with me as a result of it. Yesterday morning, or every Saturday morning, I cook pancakes for my girls. And this is not at all what I would serve them. Now, There are beans mixed in with these pancakes. Uncooked pinto beans. I have never heard. I I like chocolate chip pancakes. I like blueberry pancakes. But I do not like pinto bean, uncooked pinto bean pancakes. But these pancakes are not even fully cooked. In fact, I will tell you this. That on one side, I don't know if you can see this or not. On one side, I'll just grab it. See, it's kind of overdone and burned. 
And on the other side, it's sort of gooey. It's, it's not very good. It's not something that's appetizing. Anybody want to have this? We have any syrup around? No syrup. See, no, no, not even syrup to go with this. I don't know what to do with this. It's useless, right? Put it in the garbage. Thank you. I might do that. Unless there is a brave soul who wants to get sick. I don't know about you, but I don't want to eat it. Because, first of all, what's wrong with this? It's got something mixed into it. It shouldn't be there. These pancakes have things mixed into them that nobody in the world would eat. You look at that and say, no way, you can't chew the beans. They're not even cooked. Even if they were cooked, it probably would not taste all that great. But there is something mixed in with this that pollutes the mixture. I don't know what would happen if I ate this, but the way I was feeling as I came to church this morning, this is the last thing I want to eat. But I want to tell you that anybody who would dare eat that would probably end up getting just a little bit sick. No, it was a setup. You have been set up. Today, the Bible says this. Ephraim, what? Mixes with the nation. That word Ephraim, or that word mixes, uh, is a word that is also used in Exodus, and you don't need to turn there. Exodus 29 and verse 2, the Bible lets us know that when a grain offering or a wheat offering was brought before the Lord, that one of the components was, or one of the, the ways that it was supposed to be prepared was, it was to be mixed with wheat flour and oil. And the oil was to permeate every part of that mixture to the point where it was all throughout that particular offering to the Lord. The same word is used here in Hosea when the Bible says that Ephraim mixes with the nations. In other words... There was something they had allowed into their lives and it had permeated every part of their existence. And that part had polluted their spiritual life before the Lord. They had allowed things into their lives that should not have been there. They allowed the world to be mixed in with their religious system. In fact, you read through the Old Testament and many times you will find that in places where there should have been uh, a temple to the Lord or an altar to the Lord, they had put up an altar to a foreign idol or they had erected a, a, an image of stone or wood or gold or silver or whatever it might have been, and they began to mix the, the religions of other nations with the, the true worship of Jehovah and had allowed that to come in. You see, it speaks about this one thing, and it is this. They had wrong desires. Let's talk about their desires for a minute. They wanted to be mixed with the nations. See, how do we know that from this? Well, it indicates, there is a word there that seems to indicate that it was something that was welcome. It's not obvious in English, but in, in the original Hebrew, it seems to bear that point out. That they had allowed things and actually wanted things to be mixed into their lives. Do you know, brothers and sisters, there might be some of you here today who would say, the, the thing I want the most is I want to escape hell. 
hate. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to escape that? And yet there are many who will say, I want to escape that, but you know what? Just having a whole lot of fun in the world. I'm just, you know, I, I want to go out there. I want to do my own thing. I want to be in charge of my life, and I want to have my own way. But you know what, God? I really don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And yet so often we allow ourselves to allow things to be mixed into our lives simply because we want what we want. You see, brothers and sisters, they didn't allow their desires to be controlled by the Spirit of God, but instead they were in control, and they said, we are going to do whatever it is we want to do, going all the way back into the time of the prophet Samuel. Remember what Israel did when they came? They said, listen, we look around us, and there are other nations in the world the nations around us, they all have kings. We don't have king. We want a king. And they went to the prophet Samuel and said, Samuel, we want, we want a king to rule over us. And Samuel said, wait a minute, you have a king. Where? The Lord. He's your king. No, 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 not that kind of king. We want a king, king. We want a king who looks like us. A king that we select, a king that we choose, a king that will rule over us, and he's one from one of our tribes in Israel, and we want that kind of king. We want what we want. And they got exactly what they wanted. In the end, if you desire to do your own thing, go your own way, Allow yourself, your life, your spiritual existence to be mixed with the nations. You will get exactly what you want. But you will wonder why it is that when you come into the presence of the Lord, you no longer sense the presence of God like you used to. Because you have mixed things in with the cake that shouldn't be there. You have put things in there that should not be a part of that mixture. And now it is polluted. It is absolutely worthless. You can't do anything with it until you allow the Spirit of God to cleanse you. And you allow the blood of Jesus to be applied to your life to kick out some of the junk that we allow into our lives that pollutes our spirits. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to encourage... Look, I'm not preaching legalism. You can apply it however you, you want to. I remember years ago... We would pre you know, they would preach against television. Everybody's got to everybody has more than one, probably. They preach against makeup, they preach against all kinds of things. And in many ways, it created a kind of legalism within the church. Brothers and sisters, you apply it however you need to in your life. Whatever it is that you believe is coming between you and being all in and being fully baked, brothers and sisters, we need to get it out of our lives. What did Jesus say? Jesus said this, it is better for you to pluck out your eye, to cut off your arm, do whatever, and go into heaven without an arm, without an eye, than it is for you to go into hell with everything intact. Now, he's not talking literally here. He's not talking about your literal arm or your literal eye, but that which does not belong in the life of the Christian, he says, cut it out. Get rid of it. Don't allow it in your life. They polluted it. The Bible says that Ephraim mixed with the nations. You see, this mixture was permeated throughout. Now, these are a few pinto beans scattered on the top of this particular little creation here. But 
but the Bible indicates that this mixture of the nations was something that was so interwoven that no man could change it. There wasn't anything that Ephraim in itself or the nation of Israel could do to change it. They had to depend on a miracle. And brothers and sisters, when we come to Christ, we know that it's a miracle that brings salvation. But it could be that there are times in your lives where you allow the flesh to gain control and you give in to the flesh and you do your own thing. You want what you want. You're going to do it your way and you're not going to have anybody tell you exactly how you ought to live. This is, you know, 2011. Nobody's going to tell me how it is that I'm going to live. But in the end, brothers and sisters, you know that on the inside you are spiritually starving because you have allowed yourself and the desires of your own life to get out of control control. The Bible lets us know that we need to be controlled by the Spirit. You say, but I, maybe I find myself in this kind of a position where I've allowed to, myself to be mixed with the world. Now I, I don't feel like I'm in control anymore. I don't feel like I can, I can change this. How do I change it? My desires are out of control. What do I do? You see, brothers and sisters, the wonderful thing about the Lord is God can do with you what you cannot do for yourself. God can do for you what you cannot accomplish in your own life. The Bible lets us know that what is impossible with man is possible with God. You've got to trust in the fact that God is able to do abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think, that He is still a God who works miracles, and He is still a God who can bring deliverance in your life once and for all. So often we think, well, I can't, I can't. I don't know how many people I've tell, had tell me, I can't, I can't. And I'm here to tell you, no, you can't. But He can if you yield to Him. He can if you let the Holy Spirit come into your heart and your life and change you and root out some of the junk that's destroying you. It probably, that cake, may not have cooked right because it was polluted. But there is something else that took place that caused this mixture to not be quite right and it shows Ephraim's dependence. Not only their desire, but their dependence. The mixture of this cake, of something that shouldn't be a part of it, indicated that they were dependent on these other nations. There are those, I'm thinking about pancakes now, and I know you're all hungry. Sorry about that. You know, I, I think about it, I know that when I eat pancakes, I want some blueberries with it. I enjoy blueberries. Now, I'm not, I don't have to have them. There are those who, if they eat pancakes, they have to have blueberries. Otherwise, they're not touching them. Anybody like that? No. Chocolate chips? No. Okay. But you know, you strawberries. All right, fine. But you know, you, you, you're dependent on that. You need that. It seems as though they were dependent on these other nations now. They had so mixed with the nations, it showed that they were depending on somebody other than the one they were supposed to depend on, and that was the Lord. I don't know how many times in our lives we come across situations and times where we, we are just absolutely dependent on flesh. We're dependent on the world. We're dependent on those around us, on mom and dad, on... You know, we're dependent on, on, 
uh, our friend and our neighbor and our, you know, our brother and sister in, in the Lord. And we just, we, we, put, we lean on the arm of flesh, brothers and sisters, way too much. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 31 and verse 1. The Bible says this, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. Did you hear that? The idea of pronouncing a woe means simply, or it is simply the idea or the concept that you're in danger. That judgment is coming upon you. And he says that woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. In other words, this this would have been a, a really powerful picture for those whose history had been one of slavery in Egypt. And he's saying, now you want to go down to Egypt for help? I brought you out of that hole. I brought you out of that place. Why are you going to go down there for help now? Well, I gotta go, you know, the world. I, I gotta depend on that. I gotta depend on some drug. I gotta depend on this. You know, every now and then from when I come home from work, I gotta just, you know, go have a little sip of wine to kind of settle me. No, you don't. You don't have to have that nonsense. You are depending on the world. You're depending on the power of the world in order to somehow get you through when God says, I'm the one who's going to make it happen for you. I'm the one who's brought you out of sin. And certainly if I brought you out of sin, I can keep you and I can help you. Don't mix with the world. Don't mix with the nations because it's going to destroy you. It's going to pollute you. Now another problem that Ephraim had was this that they were a flat cake, not turned over. Not on my life would I eat a pancake made this way. Yes, Sherry was told to do it this way, by the way. I told her, make me a pancake, two pancakes, put something in there that shouldn't be there, and don't flip it over. Now, if that were brought off, now these are pretty consistent on the top. They're still kind of cakey on the top, but I still wouldn't touch it. But if they had been brought off, say what, maybe, you know, a minute earlier, I wouldn't have been able to touch this and hold it up because this side would have run right off. It would have been runny and gooey. Certainly nothing that you would sit down and want to eat. Those pancakes are worthless. Absolutely useless. What had happened here was this. The people of Israel, and this is where we want to talk about their delinquency a little bit. That is their negligence. In order to make a pancake, now if you're going to make a pancake, and we've all had it happen, right? You're in, the, you're in the kitchen cooking, you're making something, and you get a phone call, and it's somebody you want to talk to, and you're just chit-chatting away, and you know, just, just having a good old conversation, and all of a sudden you hear the smoke alarm go off in your house, and you walk into the kitchen, and there's a fire on the stove, or you know, something's burning in the oven, and smoke is billowing out of that thing, and, and you're just, you immediately hang up the phone. Why? Because you got distracted and you neglected your responsibility of preparing that meal, right? And of course, for most of us, it's an excuse to say, I ruined dinner, let's go out. But you know, you just, you're not paying attention to it. 
You see, Israel was not paying attention to what they should have been. And as a result of that, they were like a cake that was not turned over, a flat cake. And oftentimes in Middle Eastern worlds, it still happens today, they will make a flat cake on this, this big skillet. And some of them are even inverted skillet. They put this this mixture, this cakey mixture, and they will bake it there, but they got to flip it over in order to cook it all the way through. But it's like they just didn't pay attention. They, they weren't giving any attention to their spiritual lives on a daily basis. They only paid attention in church. They only paid attention when the pastor was preaching. They only paid attention when the teacher was teaching. They only paid attention at a time where it's easy to pay attention. Rather than the time where it really, really matters, and that is on a day-in and day-out basis. Look, folks, when I'm not yelling at you, as I am today, when I'm not preaching to you, what are you doing with your spiritual life? Are you paying attention to it, or are you neglecting it? Is it something you say, well, I go to church every Sunday, that's good enough. And there are a lot of people who say, well, go to church every Sunday, that's just fine. You know, everything's okay. Look, you can fool me. You can fool the people sitting next to you. You can fool just about anybody. But who really understands the state that you're in, who really knows what's going on on the inside of you, is the one who really counts, and that is God. And so often, our lives are like a half-baked cake. A little overdone on the other side. In other words, sometimes we focus on things in our spiritual lives that are minor by comparison to what we really should be focusing on. Well, that really is gooey. And when then on the other side, we're not, we're not paying attention to the, the things that really matter. And so we're coming out burned on one side and gooey on the other. We don't... We don't have what it takes. We are half-baked in our commitment to the Lord. We're half-baked in our worship. We're half-baked in our service. We're half-baked in what it is that we give to the Lord. We just kind of throw God a pittance and say, Here, Lord, that ought to be enough to appease you. It isn't what you can give God that matters, brothers and sisters. What God really wants is you. He really wants you. He wanted Israel. He wanted Israel to pay attention to their spiritual existence and allow their hearts and their lives to be changed in such a way that they would not come out to be a half-baked cake. And listen, this is worthless, good for nothing. You can't do anything with it. You've got to throw it away. And in essence, that is exactly what was going to happen to this northern kingdom. They were going to be tossed aside. They were going to be pushed aside simply because they chose to do their own thing, their own way, and neglected the one who had changed the course of their history. Over and over again in the Old Testament, we find God just reminding the people of Israel, I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt. You know, I rescued you from sin. I brought you out. I love you that much. You say, and I, I hear you know, some of this new liberal kind of theology comes across as if somehow the God of the Old Testament is completely different than the God of the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, it's all about the love of God. The Old Testament's all about the judgment of God. I don't find that. I find the very fact that God would, would speak through the prophet of Hosea 
and other prophets as well and admonish and and challenge the people of Israel to come back to him and challenge them on the way that they're living to be an absolute loving act. What do you do if your kid starts running across the street without looking? Stop! Right? I know I do. That's the way it happens. Now, some people look at you and say, man, what a mean dad. What a mean mother. No, we just see the cars whizzing by that don't see three feet tall kids running into the street. You see the danger that's there. When God is speaking through the prophets in the Old Testament, it is one of the most loving acts that he could ever, ever present to them, one of the most merciful things. The very fact that God would take time and say, Israel, you're a, half cake, you're a cake that's, that's half-baked. It's not turned over. Why? Because he wants them to come to him and say, Lord, only you can change us. Please change us. Make us what it is that you want us to be, Lord, and challenge us and give us a new way of living. They were delinquent. They neglected what it was that they were supposed to be doing. Listen to how Hebrews describes what it is and and the way that we can avoid neglect of spiritual delinquency. I'd like you to turn over there in closing. Hebrews chapter 2. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. In verse 1, reading down through to verse 3, the Bible says this, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. Did you hear that? This isn't a new message. It's not something that's being made up as we go along. This is something that's already been established by the apostles and the prophets. We must pay more careful attention. In other words, it's on us. It's on us to pay attention. It's on us to wake up and say, Lord, is there something in my life that is half-baked before you? Then God help me, I pray to change it and to pay close attention to you. Listen, it says, pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Israel had certainly drifted away. They had absolutely drifted away from what it was that they had heard through the prophets, what it was that God had done for them, that they knew about their history and how it was that God delivered. They had drifted away because they neglected to listen to the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we've got to tune our ears in more to the word of God. And I'm not talking about just when I'm up here preaching or somebody else is up here preaching, but on a daily basis, take your word, take the word of God and get it into your spirit, get it into your heart heart and begin to find that there is only one way to get that into your life and it's to pay attention to it so you don't drift away from it. Verse 2 says, for if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, listen to verse 3, how shall we escape if we ignore, King James says neglect, such a great salvation? we ignore it. Brothers and sisters, listen, God has done great things for you. And neglecting it and ignoring it will cause your spiritual existence to simply be nothing more than a half-baked cake. Worthless. Because when you're half-baked in your commitment to the Lord, 
You don't want to do anything. You get into this mentality that says, God, all I want to do is just, you know, make it through life. And then when I get to the end of it all, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven too. But you know what? Unless something happens here, tragic, ain't going to happen in the next couple of minutes. Or unless Jesus comes back in the next couple of minutes, it ain't going to happen. i got to live here. And God wants us to live here in such a way that will bring honor and glory to His name. And it's not the fact that you go to church that does that. It is the fact that you follow Him and live for Him on a daily basis, that you are His and you know that He is yours. On a regular and on a daily basis, you pay attention to the Word of Almighty God. In other words, the Bible doesn't sit on your shelf and collect dust. It doesn't sit there and do nothing for you all week and then you pick it up and bring it to church, which some of us don't even do that anymore. Ooh. You know, you, we, we give it all to everybody else. But when it comes to God and when it comes to Him and His Word and the things that He desires for us, we can come out being just a little half-baked. And half-baked doesn't cut it in the kingdom. we got to be all in. we got to leave everything on the playing field. You know I like sports, and I like those analogies. It seems as though Paul did too. Because Paul says that we know that in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that we all run in a race, but only one gets the prize. And he says, run in such a way as to win. That running in such a way is to win, is to get out there on the field and to give it your all. Give it your best. In life, give it your best. In life, give your all to the Lord and say, God, I'm going to read your word. I'm going to pray. And then after that, Lord, I'm going to get out of your presence and get into the presence of the world and begin to shine my light to those who are lost and those who are hurting. That's what God has called us to do. And yet so often we feel powerless to be able to do that. Why? It's simply because we're a little bit half-baked. We've mixed too many things into our lives as to be an effective witness. We've allowed things to come into our hearts and our lives, and, 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 and maybe even people around us have seen what's going on. We allow that to happen, and now all of a sudden our witness isn't what it ought to be. And you know what? In the end, it's almost as if we can't recover it in the lives of those individuals. But brothers and sisters, I believe with all my heart that the only one who can change the course of something being half-baked is God. Only God knows how to take something that is worthless to us and change it to be something of great value. Only He can do that. You and I can't. There isn't anything that we can do to change the consistency of our lives. Only God. And so what we have to do is we have to say, Lord, help us. We're dependent on you. We're going to depend on you even more now. And we're going to believe that your power is greater. Can we stand to our feet right now? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want everyone in this place with heads bowed and eyes closed. Before we leave this building today, I know we had a powerful time. The Lord ministered to many. Such a wonderful way today. Such a breakthrough. 
It's, it really was today. And I pray for more like it. I pray that we just come in here and just begin to believe that, you know, this is a place where I can just cast all my cares on the Lord and I can find strength to help me through. But today, it could be that you're here and you recognize on the inside of your life there is still something that is half-baked. could be your commitment to the Lord. It could be your commitment to the body of Christ, to one another. We are committed to one another. We need to be committed to one another. But it could be that we are half-baked in our commitment to serve God. You see, God has a plan for each and every one of your lives. I was telling a young man yesterday who, as far as I know, he doesn't serve the Lord. I, I told him, I said, listen, you, you need to come to church, not because church is the thing to do, but because you will find that God has a plan for your life. And I believe that God has a plan for your life. Each and every one of us, God has a plan for our lives and He desires to use us in a mighty, mighty way. But we cannot allow ourselves to be mixed with the world. Don't let that be a part of the mixture of your life. Let it be the Word and let it be prayer. Let it be the fellowship of the saints as we join together and as we worship one with another as we did today and had such a wonderful expression of, of praise and worship and God meeting our need. Don't let the world get into your heart and your life and, in, in, and mix in with what it is that you know that God wants you to do. You see, even in this state God still had a plan for Israel. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been talking to them. He wouldn't have been talking to them. Wouldn't have bothered. But today, it could be that you're here. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around right now. Could be you say, I, you know, I've been serving the Lord a long time, but today I feel the Lord spoke to me in one way or another. Quickly put up your hand and take it down. Nobody's going to be judging. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, th yes, thank you, Lord. No one's going to be asking you what in the world's going on with your life. Nobody's going to do that. We're not even going to have you come forward today, but we're going to pray in the closing moments of this meeting for God to help us never to be half-baked in anything that we're doing for Him. Never to give half, but to give our all. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for Your people. Lord, I thank You for this body. I thank You for this group of believers today. And Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would strengthen them and that you would help them, O oh God, that Lord, by the power of your word, you would come down and minister your, your touch upon their lives. Lord God, today we want to be all in for you. We want to give our very best for you. And Lord God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that you would help us, O oh Lord, to reach out to you for more of you on a daily basis, never to be half-baked in what it is that we desire to do for you and what it is that we know you want to, to do for us and in us and through us. But God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to pay attention to the Word of God, to pay attention so that we're not like Israel in this situation. We're just, we're like a flat cake not turned over. We're of no value, burned on one side and gooey on the other. God, we want to be consistent all the way through. We want to be everything that you desire us to be. Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch us, that you would help your people today, oh God, and encourage and strengthen them. Lord, we thank you today. And dear God, I pray that as we leave this building today, we would leave 
refreshed and yet challenged. Lord, encouraged and yet, Lord, motivated to do more for you and to be more for you. And God, I pray for every person here that you would help us to honor you through the rest of this week. Bring us back together, oh God, to honor you and to live for you and to serve you and to worship you. And God, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.